what is risk? More importantly, what is risk management? Matt Kelly and I take a deep dive into these topics in today's episode. Interested in taking a deep dive each week into a compliance or compliance-related topic? Then Compliance Into the Weeds is the podcast for you. Join Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance, and Tom Fox, the voice of compliance, as they go into the weeds to flesh out a story which you can use to better inform your compliance program. Both you and your compliance program will be the better for listening to this podcast. Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, the voice of compliance, back again with Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance, for another live stream edition of Compliance Into the Weeds. Uh, this is a podcast where we take a deep dive into a compliance topic. So, Matt, first of all, welcome and happy Patriots Day. Thank you, Tom. It is uh, good to be here. I assume all listeners around the world know the uh, importance of Massachusetts Patriots Day holiday, uh, marking the start of the U.S. Revolution about two towns over from where I live. So, Big day here in Massachusetts. Oh, and I thought it was to celebrate the marathon. Uh, and now the marathon usually does happen on Patriots Day. This is also the only day in the whole year where the base, Major League Baseball has a game that starts before noon, uh, when the Red Sox typically play around 11.30 a.m. Except I don't know if they're playing today, and we don't have the marathon today. The marathon's currently scheduled for October. Fingers crossed we will pull it off this year. Uh, if the Red Sox were playing, would anyone care? Uh, actually, now they are winning, much to my surprise. I'm sure that's a fad, and it won't last. Okay. Um, it's very interesting to watch you and uh, your other uh, Northeast American cousins down in that other city as that other baseball team banter back and forth uh, this early part of the season, reveling in the Yankees' dismal performance. That is very true. It's good news. <laughs> Well, Matt, you wrote a really interesting blog post last week. We talked about it on uh, last week's recording of Everything Compliance, but I wanted to maybe take a little bit deeper dive into a prevalent report which talked about uh, third-party risk management and not in a way that uh, we typically see it. So I was wondering if you might be able to set the stage for us. Yeah, sure. So this is a report that came out from the software firm Prevalent, which offers third-party risk management software but they very much approach it more from a cybersecurity supply chain perspective. Uh, the report surveyed about 150 people. And before I get into who the people were, I could throw out a couple of interesting statistics. And then I'll tell you who the people were and why this makes the report so interesting, I think. But uh, they prevalent found that 87% of the 150 or so respondents said that they do assess third parties but they assess them specifically for cybersecurity risks. Um, the polite way of putting it is that they want to assure these parties do not introduce risks to our business that could negatively impact us, which really means uh, that we don't have a cybersecurity threat coming up through our supply chain and one of our suppliers that bites us on the rear end. 87% said that's why they assess third-party risk. Only 60% said that they do this for more compliance-centric concerns, uh, surveying their third parties for like maybe data privacy risk or some other sort of uh, data security regulation that they might have to uphold. But then when you get down a bit more into what other risks they are assessing among their third parties, 39% uh, 
of this group said they don't currently survey or assess for anti-corruption risk, even though they know they should. 39% said we still don't. Um, but meanwhile, here are 88% of them saying that they do track cybersecurity risk, 73% saying they're tracking privacy risks, but we have this significant chunk saying we don't track um, anti-corruption, even though we know that we should. And so here's the big reveal is that most of these survey respondents, 76% of the 150 are IT security professionals. So suddenly these numbers start to make sense from their perspective. And Tom, that's what really I found intriguing about the prevalent report is I bet if we went back to the same companies where these respondents worked and polled their legal people and their compliance people, we would get very different answers. Uh, because I don't think a large firm is not studying anti-corruption risks around its third parties, even when they know they should. I think most of them probably are f f studying their anti-corruption risks. So, yeah, this is a long-winded way of saying we have these two different groups, uh, anti-corruption, ethics and compliance, and we have IT security. And they're both talking about third-party risks. They are using the exact same words and I think that they are talking about very different things. And so we can unravel what all of that dichotomy means. But, I mean, it seems to be a pretty pronounced dichotomy in this realm of third-party risk management. So these sort of uh, micro findings, I guess the thing that intrigued me the most, Matt, was that, uh, and you really articulated this uh, very well in Everything Compliance, was the detail that each of these groups go into to manage their third-party risk, assess, craft a management uh, risk, or managing a risk strategy and then implementing that strategy mm -hmm. all the way up from the lowest compliance professional or the lowest status security professional, literally all the way up to the board of directors. Would that be a fair assessment? Well, I think that they all go through the same basic procedures, uh, a lot of times you will be sending questionnaires to your third parties. You might be uh, doing some sort of audit on your third parties. You might be pulling external sources of data about these third parties uh, to see what that says. And you take all of that data and you come up with a risk score or profile or some sort of comprehensive view. But I still suspect that each of these fiefdoms, I uh, can't say I love saying it that way, but each of these, each of these fiefdoms, IT security, uh, legal and compliance, probably even some other uh, functions out there, they're all doing the same sort of thing and they're all coming up with their own risk scores that I suspect exist uh, separately from each other. So how often are we taking the IT security risk of the third party and the corruption risk of the third party and cobbling those things together into one comprehensive look at third-party risk management. I My concern is that we are not doing that as much as we should. And if we want to talk a bit more about what boards like, I think boards would prefer that they get that kind of risk assurance. I just, I wonder how often it's happening because I see these, like you called the micro findings of various surveys and they, they don't all add up when you look at all of them in total. So Matt, when, when I first read your report and after I heard your remarks on everything compliance, really what it brought up for me is the management of risk. Mm -hmm. And that's certainly something I think you've been talking about for years. And we, we have talked about it on this podcast. 
We've looked at it from COSO framework, variety of risks. You've been talking about management of risk. I know that's certainly something that, that's been on my mind. And does this report help lead us to a conclusion that companies need not simply a more robust, robust risk management strategy, but a more integrated risk management strategy? Yeah, I, I would definitely pick up on the integrated, which I think is just the right word here. I, I suspect a lot of firms do have robust third-party risk management strategies. I think the problem is you got several of these robust strategies running at the same time. Um, if you look at it from a corporate board's perspective, they certainly are aware that third parties are a risk, but I don't think a board wants one assurance report after another from one risk management function after another, each of them taking their own slice of the they're taking their own bite at the the same apple that you have compliance people talking to the board about anti-corruption risk and then in comes the CISO to talk about cybersecurity maybe potentially uh, you could have a head of procurement talking about just something stability um, Tom we talked a couple of weeks ago about that mess with the tanker in the Suez Canal a reminder that sometimes supply risk is just about the supplies. And if your important components are stranded on a beached cargo ship in the Suez Canal, it's still a third-party risk. You have to think about these things. So does a board want deep dives into each slice of third-party risk to make sure everything is assured? I don't think they do. I think they want to know third-party risk is handled so that the operating teams in the first line of defense can go forth with their supply chain reliable enough to go ahead and advance on the business objectives. So there, I think boards would very much like an integrated approach to third party risk management and assurance and reporting. We can talk about how some of the technologies out there do or don't help with that. But if that's what a board wants, I still, you know, like you said before, an integrated function would be what they want. I fear that we have multiple robust third-party risk functions existing in parallel, and yeah, that may not be the, the best strategy here. Could we conceivably have, uh, we could certainly conceivably, and we do have risk management departments that look at a variety of risks. Traditionally, it's been insurance, but some companies have a much broader outlook on what risk management is. But could we have a even a C-suite or corporate position that's uh, third parties. And within that function, they look at the types of risks brought by third parties, whether it be anti-bribery, anti-corruption, export control, cybersecurity, uh, ESG, diversity and conclusion, inclusion, or you name the risk. Could that be a direction we're pointing? It, it could be. And in fact, the idea of a chief risk officer outside of insurance and financial services and banking, where you do have that function quite a lot. Um, a chief risk officer who is in more traditional operating companies, that idea has kicked around for a while and I've been kind of cool to it. I can remember people telling me in 2008, this is going to be the next big thing. And it's still the next big thing 15 years later. we I haven't seen it go too mainstream with a title. And I actually... I wouldn't necessarily get hung up on the title of who is the person performing third-party risk management, um, th risk assessments and oversight and controls, but like, somebody has to do it. 
And somebody, some person, one person should do it comprehensively rather than having three or four different functions kind of sort of do it and do it a lot in one specific way that matters to them. So it's compliance and the CISO and the head of procurement, or if you have a corporate sustainability function, and, and they're all doing the same kind of thing for different flavors of risk with your third parties, you're going to wind up with a bunch of questionnaires. You're going to wind up with probably a bunch of risk profiles that may or may not be uh, integrated with the other risk profiles, or maybe they're captured in different formats. Never mind that your suppliers are going to go totally bonkers that this is the fourth goddamn time we've had a risk assessment come from this client. What do we have to do to make them just go away? And, you know, that dynamic is real. Um, so thinking about how you can get a, a totality of risk assessment for your key suppliers, especially, um, I think that's very important. And there are tech firms out there that are working toward this goal. But I think still, as always, uh, roles and responsibilities within the big corporate enterprise, that's going to be the key thing to get straight. And that, that is still a tough thing for a lot of companies to do. Matt, in the first paragraph of your fi uh, final section in your blog post, you say, quote, some ethics and compliance professionals might dismiss all of this as an academic point. CISOs have their third-party risk headaches. I have mine, and i got to get back to my due diligence investigations. I can understand the sentiment, but it's short-sighted, end quote. Why do you think that uh, approach is short-sighted? First off, um, because if you, the compliance officer, are not thinking bigger about what else is going on in the enterprise, that is a great way to silo yourself, which is not something I think most compliance officers would prefer to be in that position. Um, but ultimately, there's a lot of third-party risk out there, and it comes in all sorts of flavors. And I think eventually, over, say, the course of the next five or 10 years, we probably will see much more sophisticated third-party risk analysis techniques and technologies come to bear. Um, if you are going to ignore that and say the cybersecurity risk is somebody, else, somebody else's problem or procurement's problem or ESG risks are going to be some other business functions problem, I'm only going to do third-party due diligence um, around anti-corruption and that's it. You're self-selecting out of the larger conversation that the C-suite is going to have about how they get a grip over what is going to be a very pressing thing. Companies are only going to have more third parties as they go forward. Uh, the third parties are only going to perform more critical tasks, and you will only have more potential regulatory violations, litigation instances, uh, failures, or civil litigation that comes up from how you mishandle your... That's from the C-suite's perspective, they're going to say, we got to get a single good handle on this. If you, the compliance officer, are thinking, I don't care about that. I only want to focus on this little part over here. This is me. Then you're going to wind up focused way over here on just that. And somebody else is going to wind up being your boss. And in a very practical way, I would advise caution about that. And also just Eventually, the technology will allow for comprehensive third-party risk management, and um, you know you you can either be a part of that conversation or you can get the memo when the conversation is done. So, for ten or fifteen years, I think many in the compliance field have worked on technical competence, 
uh, several organizations uh, train on anti-bribery, anti-corruption strategies for corporations. I write books on it, um, conferences and, and webinars on it. Have we done ourselves a disservice by hyper-focusing on the technical aspects of ABC compliance, or is what the prevalent report alerted you to just an uh, understanding or awareness that the world's a lot bigger in terms of risks now? I think it's more the latter. Um, you know, for a long time, we worried mostly about anti-corruption risk because that was the regulatory threat. And that was what the board was worried about. Um, and now there are other types of third party risks that are rapidly coming to the fore and rapidly taking the board's attention. Um, as much as we all would like to say that regulatory risks and regulatory enforcement is a big deal, and it is, an operating failure is a bigger deal. Um, if the company can't do anything at all, then you know, a Justice Department you know, replying to their subpoena is the least of your problems if you can't turn the servers on. So that's one example of how a cybersecurity threat can sometimes uh, take priority. Uh, or other sorts of risks that are going to be coming down the pike very soon. Uh, we've talked a bit on this podcast series, Tom, about ESG regulations and disclosures, which I think are going to pick up much more, um, especially in the Biden administration, and I suspect on a permanent basis. So that's going to be another level of due diligence of your suppliers and third parties. The company is going to have to manage. Um, I suspect that by 2030, Tom, note in our calendars for compliance into the weeds in nine years, we'll be talking much more about some sort of trust assurance over your third party's function. Trust in what? Trust in anything. doesn't matter because there's going to be yet another risk that comes along for third parties that, Tom, you and I haven't even thought of that's going to come along in 2025. And we're going to have to worry about that too. And what's the technology that we're going to use to worry about these things and get assurance from our third parties effectively? Anti-corruption was probably one of the first, but it's going to become one of many in the, I would say it already is one of many. It's going to become one of many more in the near future. And that's the sort of way we'll need to think about this. Matt, that seems like a good uh, note to end this podcast on, but I just wanted to say that you, you have multiple levels of blog posts. And when you're at your best, you write technical blog posts that not only pose technical questions, but I think open up um, a wide, much wider variety of questions. And I think you you really did uh, with this blog post. It certainly got me to thinking, and I assume that uh, lots of others were thinking about this. So uh, kudos for the blog post. Well, thank you very much, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. I hope you will join Matt and I each Monday at 3 p.m. Central, where we live stream Compliance Into the Weeds. And you can pitch questions to us and be part of the engagement and commentary. If you have any questions for Matt, you can reach him at mkelly at radicalcompliance.com. If you have questions for me, you can reach me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I hope you will uh, join us again for an audio podcast or the live stream once again at 3 p.m. Central Time each Monday. Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network and a proud member of C-Suite Radio. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.